welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Sierra. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders and to bring you up to date in current literature so that together we can get to the root of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Sarah is a proud third-generation Las Vegas native and a first-generation college graduate. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Dental Hygiene from the College of Southern Nevada and has been practicing dental hygiene since 2014. Sarah has practiced in many clinical dental hygiene settings, including general private practice, public health, and as an adjunct clinical hygiene instructor at her alma mater. Being introduced to the world of myofunctional therapy and airway medicine changed her whole outlook on dentistry and what she could contribute to the field. As a myofunctional therapy and orthodontic patient herself from the age of 10, Sarah has a passion for working with adults who have slipped through the cracks of traditional medicine and dentistry, going decades without answers or solutions to the root causes of their health concerns. Sarah provides exclusively virtual myofunctional therapy and works with myofunctional therapy clients around the world. She was granted the credentials Certified Myofunctional Airway Specialist in 2021. Sarah enjoys reading murder mysteries, her two ragdoll cats, and traveling. She hopes to one day live in her favorite city, Rome, Italy. Welcome, Sarah. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Finally, we've been talking about it for some time and we also just spent like the last 45 minutes just catching up. So that was fun, but I'm super excited to have you. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. Let's start by, I want everybody to hear your story, how you got into uh, myofunctional therapy. So why don't you take it away? Yeah. So myofunctional therapy has kind of been like a full full circle moment for me. Um, I started, I I have a tongue thrust. I have, now I know what to be a posterior tongue tie uh, that was undiagnosed until I was almost 30. Um, But I was actually in myofunctional therapy back when I got braces for the first time when I was 10 years old. And back then in the nineties, it was called tongue thrust therapy. And um, so my orthodontist was very forward thinking. Now looking back, the fact that he said, hey, you need to see the myofunctional therapy. There was only one here in Las Vegas, (laughs) here in town where I'm from. Um, And so he said, hey, you need to see this myofunctional therapist work on your tongue thrust because your ortho is not going to be stable without it. So looking back, I'm like, wow, what a blessing. (laughs) Like how great it is that he thought about that for me. Um, But yeah, I I think there's a few factors involved where it affected my outcome with myofunctional therapy. I mean, I was 10 years old. So was I as 
up on top of doing my exercises as I was, as I was supposed to be? Probably not, I would guess. <laughs> and then I do remember, I do remember as a kid um, having like the popcorn kernel that my myofunctional therapist had me put on my tongue, put to the spot. But I don't remember really going over suction so much and working on like swallowing. So I think there were some things that got me going and got the ball rolling as far as where my tongue belonged, but it wasn't, I don't think long-term, you know, working with my tongue thrust. And now that I know what I know about my tongue tie, that's a big piece of the puzzle that was missing. So I happened to just uh, listen to a CE, a continuing education for my hygiene license about sleep dentistry and myofunctional therapy. And I said, this sounds interesting. And it reminded me of when I was younger. And I said, I wonder if this is the same thing that I did when I was little. So really, I honestly just fell back into it because of a CE course. And it started putting all the puzzle pieces together of what's been going on pretty much my whole life. I love that story. And I think it's important, like what you said, you probably weren't as good with your exercises when you were 10. I think that you can take that and use that as motivation to keep maybe another 10 year old as involved. And I think you actually only work with adults from what I remember now, but one, as you know, one of the most, most important parts is that motivation and, you know, stepping outside of everything that we want to like literally word vomit of everything we know and having to meet the patient, first of all, where they are and make it important to them, because if it's not important to them, they're not going to do it. So when you were 10, you know, whoever your orthodontist, maybe the myofunctional therapist didn't really present it to you in a way as a 10 year old girl for it to be important to you. Does that make sense? Right. I think that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Because in my head, I remember having tapes I had to listen to that were relaxation tapes, like on an old cassette player, <laughs> like with the headphones. And I just remember thinking like, okay, I have to lay down and just chill out. But yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Now tell us a little bit about your experience. So um, everybody listening, we were, had the pleasure of having Sarah in our dental sleep toolbox team mile course. So if you want to share with the listeners, what you kind of enjoyed most from the course and what you got out of the course. Well, first and foremost, as I was telling Brittany just a few minutes ago, I send all of my friends, all of my colleagues to Team IO because it is comprehensive. I feel like it gave me every tool necessary to be successful. And I think I'm like a living testament to how good Brittany and Carice are because I literally hit the ground running. I own my own business, profitable. And so I think my favorite part about Team IO was it was a 14 work week uh, course instead of a four day course. And my learning style, I mean, could I have gotten information from a four day course? Yes. But I think it would have been too much, too much at once to really let it sink in. And so I really, really appreciated the longevity of the course where we had our session, where we had a lecture, and then we had time to digest the information and then a Q&A before we moved on. And so, I mean, I think if we had hygiene school and we had, you know, a week's worth of lectures and we tried to do it in four days, we weren't going to absorb that information. So I think the duration of the course was really important for me. And also taking a case from start to, you know, finish or as close to finish as possible was helpful because those little questions that come up during the course you can ask right away and it's not like you're off on your own and you have no help in that area no oh, well we're so excited to see all the amazing work that you're doing and and i think that you were technically your own first myofunctional therapy patient so where are you at in your myofunctional therapy journey 
Yeah. So I tell all of my clients, I say, you know what? It's a blessing and a curse. It's good news for you that I'm all messed up and <laughs> I have a bunch of myo problems. I said, but it's bad news for me, obviously, but good news for you. And honestly, I see it as more of a positive than a negative because if I have to deal with these things, at least now I'm a myofunctional therapist. And I really think it gives me an edge and a really deep insight and a way to connect to my clients because I understand what they're talking about. And I can troubleshoot in my own mouth. And so at this point, um, I'm working with the amazing Dr. Zaghi um, in Los Angeles at the Breathe Institute. Um, he sees most of my cases. And because I do virtual myofunctional therapy, um, I'm in Las Vegas. So LA is like a five hour drive from here. It's not too bad. But a lot of my clients are in California. And so I say, have I got the person for you? <laughs> have I got the spot for you? Um, so my husband has a tongue tie more anterior than mine. I have a posterior tongue tie. And um, I go from a grade one TRMR tip to a grade three when you hold down the floor of my mouth. So Dr. Zaghi was even looking and he's like, wow, you have great range of motion. And when he held down the floor of my mouth, he said, oh my gosh, like you're so restricted. So looking forward to a tongue tie release. Um, at this point, I'm literally going through all the motions that I go through with my clients where I did a CBCT, um, found out that my airway is extremely restricted. My lingual tonsils are pretty large. And so Dr. Zaghi and I were planning. Yeah, it was, it, yes, it was large. And um, my, my tongue is in my airway. And now as a child, I, I didn't have palatal expansion, um, but I also didn't have extractions. Thank goodness. That's the one thing like I have to say about my orthodontist. Like, yeah, you didn't extract any teeth. Um, but I do, I'm looking to do some palatal expansion to bring my tongue forward and out of my airway. So before we were going to do my posterior release, and after Dr. Zaghi and I looked at my CBCT, we both were like, mm, I think we should look at some expansion. So um, I have a consultation next week with Dr. Brian Hockel, um, or sorry, not next week, next month with Dr. Brian Hockel in Northern California. And I'm looking at probably doing the Crozat applying clients um, with him and he also sees some of my other clients. So it's really great because I can tell my clients, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. And I think it makes them feel more comfortable. And yeah. also to know that I'm not just sending them willy nilly wherever I'm saying, hey, I need these things too. So it's not just frivolous. And like you said, making it important to them, showing the value that I'm doing it myself. So as of right now, my status is need to make some room on my palate, most likely um, going to be br doing braces for the fourth time and final time. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I think that the part you said about, you know, being able to empathize with your patients is so important. I just had a patient the other day. Um, she had MMA. I can't remember now, maybe like two Novembers ago, perhaps. And we were just talking about like, you know, the benefits that she saw in her program, we were wrapping up and, and everything. And she was like, honestly, she's like, I don't know what I would have done without you, because she's like, besides everything that you taught me, like, you know, myofunctional therapy wise, the fact that you were there with me through it all. And it's like, I had a question about this provider, like you made sure I got in contact with them. And I feel like as myofunctional therapists, we're like that middle person, we do the hand holding, and we're like, listen, we will do what we have to do. I'm going to call this doctor. We're going to make sure that they get back to you. And people need that, especially, you know, when you're going through any kind of surgery, whether it is tongue tie release or MMA, which is mm -hmm. a very invasive surgery, it could be traumatic, you know, emotionally, absolutely, mentally. So I think that it's awesome that you can connect with your patients on that level. And obviously on top of it, provide the amazing myofunctional skills that you have. 
I totally agree. And I think that is what the feedback has been most from my clients is, you know, I've never had a provider ever call another provider or email as much and talk. And I said, honestly, I'm a myofunctional therapist, but I'm also, I'm just a professional at hurting cats is what I like <laughs> to tell my clients. I said, that's my real job. And most of the work I say, we do great myofunctional therapy together and we get to see your progress, but it's the hours of communication behind the scenes and I said, my goal, and this is why I love myofunctional therapy so much. And this is really what I was felt like I was lacking in the dental field was, or just working in clinical dental, was the collaboration and the communication. And I feel like the airway space, my experience has been doctors, providers are just so focused on the total well-being of their patients. I have never had such success or such connection with other providers with providing care just last night i was on the phone um, with dr kristen scow in wisconsin shout out to dr scow for an hour after her after her workday was over talking about a mutual patient so i think that's just a testament to what the myofunctional therapists do behind the scenes and the great doctors who we work with who are willing to give up that time to get the best outcomes a thousand percent i absolutely cannot agree with you more um, let's talk a little bit about, I know that you have some hypermobility, uh, issues. So how has that either affected like your treatment plan for yourself or in your opinion, like just how does it affect myofunctional therapy, like tackling the treatment plans? That's a great question. And so I've always known that I was quote unquote double jointed. I didn't know it was called hypermobility. Um, but I like to say my fingers got me into a lot of trouble in dental hygiene school <laughs> because <laughs> I have to do things in unusual ways because I am so flexible. Um, now ask me to do the splits and that's not going to happen for sure. But um, I've always had, uh, I was always very flexible um, and it's definitely genetic. My sister has dislocated her knee three times had to have surgery. Wow. But I think the thing that most that she and I both do that I noticed the most where I was like, wow, I'm definitely hypermobile is hyperextension of my knees backwards. And so one of my friends is a physical therapist who is a specialist in pelvic floor work. And I was explaining to her, you know, my feet collapse, I have, you know, pronation, like very severe pronation of my feet, my knees extend backwards. And I feel like I can't get a deep breath in. And so she was working with me on what we call doming, which is where you keep your big toe on the floor and your heel, you basically spread all your toes, keep your heels on the floor. You want to make sure your big toe doesn't leave the floor, but you rotate your ankles outwards. And I did that and I was like, oh, wow, now I feel this, like I feel that my legs and my calves are doing the work, not my hip joints. Because when you hyperextend your knees, you're stabilizing through your hips. And when you think about that fascia that runs down the center of our body, when your feet are pronated and, and falling inwards, you're pulling down on the diaphragm, on the lungs. So when she had me do the doming, that's the deepest breath I've ever been able to take and wow. unrestricted. And that's something that one of my clients who's hypermobile, I had her do, I said, well, we're definitely going to work with a physical therapist who specializes in I like pelvic floor work for the breathing aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but I had her even just do the doming. I said, just try to keep your feet um, in neutral and bring your ankles up. And I said, take a breath. And we both feel the same sensation where, and if you're hypermobile, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you might not understand, but it almost feels like a vibration 
inhalation in the chest when you take a deep breath in, like it's kind of restricted. Mm -hmm. And then when I stood up straight and had my knees in neutral instead of hyperextended, that vibration wasn't there anymore, that restriction. And it was seriously, I was like, oh my gosh, I felt it through my whole body. So I think being hypermobile has affected me in the way, number one, of just my breath work. And it's helped me, um, you know, I can't diagnose somebody being hypermobile, but I always ask them like when they, I, when I look and see their jaw sliding from side to side, when we're doing our myo evaluation, I always ask them. So it could be just that they're, you know, unstable because of their myofunctional disorders. But I also ask them, Hey, bend your finger back for me. And then I say, can you pull your thumb? Why are we doing this? (laughs) Yes. I go, I I say, well, first I ask, are you hypermobile? Are you aware of it? And some say yes. And actually I'm very, I, I think a study would be warranted to see how many people have hypermobility and myofunctional disorders. Because if you think about it, uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, hypermobility are all connective tissue, mm-hmm. like symptom have symptoms. Well, our frenulum is a connective tissue. So I think they, you know, it makes sense to me that it would probably go hand in hand or at least have some type of connection. So I start, that's part of my screening now, actually, where I ask my clients, I say, hey, bend your fingers back, pull your thumb to your wrist, pull out, put out your elbow for me. And I say, I suspect you probably might have a little bit of hypermobility. And that's important for us to know because jaw stability is going to be a huge hurdle for you. So with the hypermobility, um, we just have more joint laxity. Our joints, you know, the tendons that surround the joints are more have more range of motion and movement. And so I think for me, the breath work has been big with the hypermobility. The second thing is jaw stability when I'm sleeping. Um, and talking to an occupational therapist who knows a lot about airway, um, she made a really good point to me, and this is Dr. Marielli. She made a good point. She said, when you sleep and you lay down, your jaw muscle relaxes, but if you're hypermobile, you're gonna have more range of motion than the average person. So when you think about it, if that airway, if the tongue is, even if the tongue is up and out of the airway, if that jaw relaxes and can go back further, you're still going to have more restriction than somebody who doesn't have that laxity. So I think that's really important to keep in mind when treating patients with hypermobility is we need to look at that airway from a jaw standpoint of how far is that jaw going to fall back and block the airway. I wish all CBCTs were taken supine. It would make our job more accurate and easier. I assume assume you would agree. (laughs) Definitely. Now, do you do you see a body worker regularly as part of like your your treatment plan or what are you currently doing as far as body work? Yeah, so I've never been tested for Ehlers-Danlos for the genetic like mutation. Mm-hmm. I think knock on wood, thankfully don't have any pain associated mm-hmm. with it. I just am, you know, flexible in my hands and things like that. Not to say I know EDS tends to show up a little bit later in life, especially for women, it's more prevalent. So I'm just crossing my fingers that um, I don't have those issues going forward. But I know a lot of patients who have EDS who see a physical therapist on a regular basis. Um, my plans kind of got thrown out of whack because of COVID and um, restrictions here where I live and things like that. But um, yeah, I do have a friend. I'm grateful. I have a great friend who's a pelvic floor physical therapist who has been working with at least my posture wise. Um, And I did see an osteopath um, right before the holidays, plan on following up, but he was amazing. And I've never done osteopathy before, but he's craniosacral focuses on that. Um, And he went all the way from my feet up to my head, just doing it's, I like to say it's manual manipulation 
lotion, but it's not a massage, but it's not craniosacral therapy. It's like somewhere in between. And I felt, I felt such a restriction when he got to my diaphragm and Mm -hmm. he felt the restriction there as well. So I did notice a difference. I definitely felt like getting a breath was easier after that body work. And I'm excited to move forward. And now that the holidays are over and, you know, hopefully COVID settles down a little bit, I want to keep up with it and do it more consistently. But yes, I, I definitely know I need body work and I'm working on that. Now, as far as, um, you know, clients go and whatnot, um, we know that body work is a huge component to it. I find that sometimes they're a little bit more, uh, finicky with either going or not going. I feel like that's one of the referrals that they tend to want to not follow up with, um, until you like continue stressing it, like every appointment you're like, did you see the body worker? Did you call the body worker? Um, but anyways, what would you say, and maybe that is your answer, but what has been your biggest pushback with clients thus far in your myofunctional journey? I think I totally agree with you. And I think the, the importance of body work is they don't connect the two dots of like, oh, it's in the mouth. And so for me, I, I see myofunctional therapy, just like I saw dental hygiene, it's about education. Mm-hmm. And we have to educate our patients, our clients about the importance of why are we doing what we're telling them to do? Like you said, it's about intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic. Otherwise it's not going to last. It's not going to be effective. So I liked, and again, being a patient myself, I say to them, I felt different after going to the osteopath. I suggest you maybe look into it. And so just having that personal testimony, I feel is important and that it does help. Um, And I think at least getting them in once they might see a difference and then go. But yeah, I think the pushback again, when I say, have you seen the airway dentist? Yes. Have you seen the airway ENT? Yes. Have you seen the body worker, the body therapist? No. So I agree that that's probably the place where I've had the most pushback. And I think it's about prioritizing. Mm -hmm. So I get, you know, if it's a financial situation where they're having to save up, maybe they see the importance of, well, they're more concerned about their airway and they're not looking at the body. So I feel that it's my job and just as a myofunctional therapist to explain, you know, we just have to have realistic expectations. And my, I always tell my patients, my clients, I never overpromise and underdeliver. I'd rather underpromise and overdeliver. So I tell them, are you going to see a hundred percent success rate if you're not doing body therapy work? No, absolutely not. Can we get you 50, 60, 70% better? Maybe. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't give you a number. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Can I tell you that it's likely going to be, um, you know, a great adjunct? Yes. And so I leave it up to the client to decide like if and when they're ready. But I stress the fact that your expectations have to meet what you're willing to put into it. And that's with anything. Yeah. And I think you totally hit the nail on the head. I mean, education is the foundation of literally everything. And as long as you're educating the patients on the importance of it, while also understanding that we have to meet patients where they are. And I feel like that's also part of our job, right? Like helping them prioritize who to see first, the sequence of everything, because it can be so overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely, you know, agree with you with that. Now let's talk about, which is like one of my favorite things to talk about. Let's talk about mindset. Cause we were actually, you and I go back and <laughs> forth on Facebook quite a bit and talking about exercising, uh, something that you have to do daily exercising your mindset. It's not like it's a, you work on your mindset for three months and like, you're good to go. Like a, something can happen in the middle of the day to completely ruin maybe the mindset you woke up in the, with in the morning. But as far as, you know, making that switch from 
hygiene to Mayo, the mindset mindset shift for that. And like, even in our own personal lives. Um, so let's talk a little bit on what you think about mindset and the importance of, you know, making that a priority. I love this question. Um, if you had asked me this question three or four years ago, um, I would have told you that I was so disappointed in the my field and I was in a completely different headspace than I am in now. And I think being on the other side of it, um, you know, I do, I have anxiety, depression, a lot of it now I realize is linked to my sleep. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to my psychiatrist for not recommending a sleep study. <laughs> um, but I'm like, well, no wonder why my anxiety is so bad. I never enter REM sleep and I'm never getting good sleep. Um, but yeah, I think my my big thing was finding people who really resonated with me. And um, one of my favorite speakers is Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And I tell people, I'm like, he honestly worked better than any medication I've ever taken. But um, I, I'm just very, I'm a very straightforward person. I'm a straight shooter. And so I kind of see things for what they are. And so I really don't tend to get really down in the dumps or down on myself unless it's a big deal and it's a big situation. And when I was practicing clinical dental hygiene, um, I was just getting very like emotionally exhausted from the ethical dilemmas I was facing, um, having doctors just want to herd patients in like cattle, doing profies on perio patients, trying to push SRPs, scale and root planing on patients who didn't need it. Um, just things that always backed me into an ethical corner. And I don't budge. There is no budging for me. And my integrity is the most important thing to me. So I came up against all of these ethical dilemmas where I knew I knew what the answer was. And the answer was to do the right thing. But it constantly felt like, what's going to happen today at work? What fights am I going to have today? How am I going to have to stay, you know, stand up for myself and my patients? And quite honestly, it was just getting exhausting. And I do understand that you know the dentists the doctors have to keep the lights on but in my experience working i've done temp hygiene uh where i've filled in for other hygienists every single office so i i do come with some experience to every office where i say hey i know how this doctor this doctor this doctor down the street does things and this is how it works for them and so i do come from that background of seeing the results of how you treat people and how you conduct yourself professionally and the the what comes after that. And so I, I found that the most success I've had um, with getting hygiene programs at dental offices to turn around is treat the patients like you would want to be treated, do the right thing, the money follows, call it karma, call it whatever you want, but it's just education. And if you do the right thing by the patients, they trust you, they're more accepting of treatment plans. And so it just got very exhausting for me to have to keep repeating myself with that over and over. And um, I quite honestly had like a breakdown moment where I told my husband, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm just emotionally exhausted. And so he told me, you know, money's not worth it. Like what's, what's worth it? Is it your money? Is it your well-being, your mental health, your physical health? I mean, I had some physical health issues that were flaring up because of the stress. And so I took a step back and I really had to evaluate, you know, where I was at. And so my mindset a few years ago was, okay, I'm a, I'm almost 30. I want to have children in the near future. I don't want to do hygiene full time right now. Um, but where do I go from here? 
So I felt like I was just stuck in this place in my life where I wasn't ready to have children, but I also wasn't ready to go back into this field that was causing me so much, you know, inner turmoil. So really the myofunctional therapy changed my mindset, but I don't think I would have jumped right into it had I not changed my own mindset beforehand. And so I think my mindset was always looking at the negative or feeling that I was stuck and there was nothing that I could do about it. And I was part of the machine. And the only thing I could do was get out of the machine. And one of the things I learned and that I can testify is absolutely true is if you don't like the machine, make your own machine. Mm-hmm. And I was sick of the field and how things were going. And I decided, you know, I need to work for myself because I want to do right by my clients, by my patients. And if that means one month, maybe I make a little less money because I'm doing the right thing by the patient, that's fine with me. And honestly, money is not my motivator. I'm motivated to help people and do the right thing. And it just so happens, ironically, that good things follow. And I just heavily believe in karma and what goes around comes around. And um, so my mindset years ago, I felt stuck. Truly, I felt stuck where I love hygiene because I love it so much. And a lot of hygienists who are myofunctional therapists can probably relate. I love dental hygiene. And eventually when I go back, I'd love to do um, a mobile dental health practice, like a a public health. Um, But I said, I want to have kids. I'm not trying to start this huge business with all this overhead. And women, like I'm sure you can resonate with this, where it's like, we've got that biological clock ticking and it's kind of difficult to to plan our lives around it. But that's really where I was at. so, you know, listening to somebody like Gary Vee, who comes from a place of gratitude, but also taking accountability. And I realized that if I want to up and move, I can up and move. If I want to, you know, maybe I don't like the, you know, I don't like the dental field here where I live. Um, I could practice independently as a hygienist in Colorado. I could move to Colorado if I wanted to. So there, everybody I feel like looks for a no or why they can't. Mm-hmm. And you can do whatever you want. Everybody's circumstances are different. People come from different socioeconomic backgrounds. But if there has ever been one person in the history of the world who looks like you, who has a background like you, who has done it, you can do it. Is it going to be easy? No, absolutely not. If you want something that's going to change your life, there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made. For example, if I up and moved to Colorado and started a business, uh, Colorado is more high cost of living than it is where I am. So I'm going to have to downgrade you know, my house, downgrade these things. But I feel like once you have the humility to realize that it's a pretty audacious goal to work for yourself and you're absolutely capable of it, you just can't fall into the trap of entitlement. And so I think, again, I felt entitled that I should be able to go to work. And I think this is a fair, like, (laughs) I think this is a fair ask, honestly. I was like, I feel like I should be able to go to work and not be pushed into this corner and not have it be all about money when it's healthcare. However, you have to be realistic about instead of wishing what things were, reacting to how they actually are. And Mm -hmm. so gratitude, just the fact of there's millions of people in the world who don't even have access to clean drinking water. Like just step back. I was like, Sarah, just step back for a second and crying about, you know, how upset I am in the grand scheme of things. 
my things could be 10,000 times worse. And so big takeaways that I learned was really that gratitude and you can say it. And I mean, I think it takes everybody that personal experience to get to that mindset point because I hear this, like I've heard this for 10 years and I've been like, Oh, that sounds nice. Like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Like, yeah, I could change my mindset. You know, you hear it from motivational speakers, you hear it from these people. And it's one of those things it's like working out or going to the gym you have to want to do it for yourself and it has to click. Do you agree? And that's, oh my gosh, it all starts with yourself. Everything else will follow. And that's why I always tell everybody like getting into a healthy mindset. If you're going to become an entrepreneur, you have to get into a healthy mindset first. Otherwise you're never going to succeed. And that is something that again, you continually have to work on. Like, you know, I have resolutions for myself for 2022 to create healthier boundaries for myself between my business and, you know, my home life, because it's a legitimate thing. And just like yourself, you know, I'm getting married in June. I want to have a family soon. And I want to be able to be the entrepreneur that I am, but also be present with my family. And that means creating boundaries because I didn't have them before I was work, 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 grow with the business, grow the business, grow the business. And I love it, which is why I kept going. But you have to think at the end of the day, like what truly makes you happy? A hundred percent. And I think that's where society in general, not just in the United States, but around the world, I think we've confused success with financial. Now, whether that be financial success as in your mind, like financial success to you means buying a million dollar home, having a Lamborghini, whatever, like that's success. Or even if you're like me, where to me, financial success is stability. Like I want that stability. And so I think coming from a place of you can be stable at any point, you just have to live below your means. If that means you sell your home and you downgrade or you move, you could, I do virtual myofunctional therapy. I could sell my house in Las Vegas right now and move into Kansas and pay probably half of what I'm paying now. (laughs) And will my lifestyle style change? Sure. But what you have to choose, what makes you happy? Am I happier going to work? And there's people I love when Gary talks, he says, there's people who say, I'd rather cry in my Ferrari than drive my Honda. It's like, why? For what purpose? Like life is too short for that. You're going to, why would money does not equal happiness. And you have to, I love that you said you want to have boundaries because some people want to grow a business for the sake of growing a business, but they don't have like, what is your end game? Like, what is, what is your goal that you're working at? You're just growing something. Exactly. And you're growing this machine, but what for? And so that's why I really, um, I really like the book by Simon Sinek. Um, There's find your why, which honestly you could get just by watching, (laughs) watching on YouTube. You don't even have to read the book. Um, But his book, The Infinite Game is fantastic for businesses and business owners, because it's all about, we look at business like a sports game, but it's completely two different things. There is no winning and losing in business. How do you, there's no, you have to have agreed upon objectives and goals. You have to have a start and an end time. That's like basketball. Think about basketball. There's points, agreed upon rules. There's a start and a finish. That's not how business works. It's on a continuum. Mm -hmm. So just realizing that A, stay in your lane, just keep your head down and worry about yourself. I feel like everybody's worried to make sure that they're in the right place. Like, oh, where are my friends at? Where's this entrepreneur that I look up to? Where are they at? What's their revenue? How big is their business? Oh man, am I failing because I'm not at this point? Mm-hmm. It, your Their life has nothing to do with you. 
And that was one of the big things that was like an unlock for me where I was kind of looking like, okay, am I in a good spot? Like comparing myself well, to so others. It's so easy yeah. to compare yourself to others these days with all of the social media. And sometimes like even for myself, like I always have to have like a retreat away from social media where like I do not go on it for a week because I just need to breathe. I don't want to see, you know, I, I am support every single person that I know that I love, but sometimes you, you just need to step away from it all. Right. So that you can just literally breathe and not worry about, oh man, well, I need to do this now. I need to step this up now. Like, no, put your, put your blinders on, think about what you need to do and like, forget the rest because it, like you said, it, it just, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And what you just touched on was self-awareness. You're aware of what you need and you do that. And some people need that time away. And like, for me, um, I, I am so detached now from what other people are doing. Whereas before I was worried about, okay, I, I, my big thing was anxiety over, I will never compromise me my integrity. And I know that's going to burn bridges. It just is. That's just the nature of, you know, <laughs> in a conflict situ- situation, you choose yet, you know, one path or the other, you're, you're not going to make everybody happy. And so I would, you know, keep myself up at night worrying about, man, did I just burn this bridge? And I came to the point where I realized, Sarah, if you burned a bridge with somebody for doing the right thing, that's not a bridge you needed anyway. So yeah. just coming no, with that personal, it, you said that. <laughs> yeah, just coming to a personal place to accept myself. And I, I'm a people pleaser. I like making people happy which is a dichotomy because I'm also extremely confident being myself. And mm-hmm. so it was a constant inner battle between do it being me, but also yeah. trying to not overstep and make people uncomfortable. But I just realized that if you are who you are, you attract the right people to you. And so if they don't appreciate that part of you, you just being yourself and being kind and candorous. And if, you know, if you do, if you doing the right thing sits lands poorly with somebody else, that person does not belong in your life. And if you have to pretend and be somebody you're not, then they don't like you. They like who you're pretending to be. They don't actually like you for you, you know? And especially working in a profession where we have to work with other professionals, of course we have to keep things cordial and professional, but we can't run ourselves ragged just trying to be friends with everybody because it's not gonna happen. Like we just have to have respect, but you have to be true to yourself or you're not, you need to be okay with who you see in the mirror every day. I just want to say that I'm so excited to release this episode because it's like literally straight gold because, you know, (laughs) in the field of myofunctional therapy, it's very political and people can get so caught up in this and feel all of the things we just talked about. And so I just feel like the listeners that are, you know, in that myofunctional therapy world that get it, they're just going to, there's so many nuggets that you just shared literally just just even on the mindset subject, never mind everything else that we talked about before that. So I haven't had anybody else on the podcast where we like got real like this and talked about this. So I'm so excited to release it. Um, but last question before we wrap things up, what advice would you give to a new myofunctional therapist that's just starting out? I would give you guys the best website I can recommend is Google. <laughs> everything <laughs> is on Google. Everything is on Google. If you need to know how to do something, social media is where it at is where it's at. We're at 
uh, what we call like Web 3.0. We're starting to get into NFTs. If you don't know what that is, non-fungible tokens, things are changing and they're changing rapidly. And so I think as an entrepreneur, it depends. Are you, do you plan on working with a dentist, you know, collaborating with them? Do you plan on being an entrepreneur? If you're a new myofunctional therapist, I'd say first, you know, lockdown, where do you think you want to go? And just know if you choose a path, you can always change your mind. Everybody, we all feel like, okay, I chose this. I have to stick with this. Just change your mind. It's not a big deal. doesn't mean you failed. Just change your mind. <laughs> and honestly, once you look at it from that point, it's fine. And don't ever feel like, oh, I made the wrong choice or I should have done this. You never know what the outcome could have been. Maybe you chose you know, to be an entrepreneur and you're like, oh man, maybe I should have chose to work in a dental office and you're really upset or things are going wrong. Maybe one of those days driving to work to the dental office, you would have gotten in a car accident and died. Like I'm talking like macro, like look at things from the big picture. You feel so much better when you realize like these little tiny things that we're worried about mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. Okay. So I would say to the new therapists, figure out where you want to put your, you know, put your time to, but just try it out. You don't know until you try. So I, you know, for me, I was like, I definitely want to try to be an entrepreneur. Now, if, you know, my business ever fails or for me personally, it's being okay with maybe I just want to work part time. I don't want to work full time and I'm okay with that. And so you have to be comfortable with yourself. Know what you want, what's going to make you happy. Do that and don't worry about what anybody else says. Um, the other thing I would say is really get up to date on how to market on social media. Um, I think that's really important of where it's at. Find people um, who talk about these things. I said, Gary Vee has some very colorful language. So if that is, if you find that not uh, <laughs> your taste, then I suggest probably finding somebody else. But um, literally there's so much free information out there of how to do things. Just Google it. How do I build a website? How do I market myself on Instagram? My biggest takeaway and my what I've learned the most and what I've found to be the most helpful, especially with marketing, is put your customer or your slash patient slash client, put them first, do right by them, and everything else follows. Give without expectation of receiving. So don't be afraid to wait, uh, give away some free information. Like, oh, you know, of course, we don't want to teach people exercises because they could hurt themselves. Like, it needs to be more one on one. But don't be afraid to share somebody's post because you think that they're going to take business from you. The world is abundant. You don't worry about everybody kind of gets worried about, oh, you know, if, if I help somebody else, is it going to, you know, come back poorly on me? just worry about doing the right thing and it all comes back and that's how I, i've grown my following and i'm willing to help people and give my time they have certain questions for me and maybe they're not my client today but i've had people six months later come back and say oh you've been so helpful to me in answering my questions on instagram i'd love to work with you mm -hmm. so i think just have patience um know that you may pick a field or pick a, pick a path and you want to change your mind and that's okay sarah this was just wonderful Thank you seriously so much. I mean, honestly, you're just, you're, you're very authentic, very real and raw and the world needs more people like you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I feel the same way about you, Britt, like just straight shooter. Like, honestly, when you, we all get into, you know, our little, we get into our bubbles, we get into our heads and we really don't look at the macro big picture. And if everybody in your family and the people you love are healthy, it's the good day. Everything else, as long as you're breathing, we can figure it out. And I think that gives you so much freedom to realize that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and taking the time. We're going to have to have you back on. And we'll, I think we're just going to talk about mindset because there's so much. Like, I would love that. For hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I could 
once you get me started, you can't shut me up. So I would love to come back anytime. And I appreciate you having me so much. This has been so great. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My Maya Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at bsierra.omt at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology and Instagram handle CT underscore oral facial underscore myology. Everybody have a wonderful day.